Hi, and welcome to Measure to Metric, a podcast about engineering monuments, the people who built them, and the people who use them. My name is Vivian Yu. And my name is John Julius. I'm a civil engineer. And I'm married to a civil engineer. Every episode, we're going to pick one engineering monument, maybe it's ancient or maybe it's brand new, from somewhere in the world. We're going to tell you what it is. We're going to tell you who built it. We're going to tell you when it was built, why it was built. We're going to go into details on how it was built. Basically, a a science history lesson all in one, like a burrito, science history burrito. Science history burrito. I don't know why that's not our name. So today we are talking about St. Basil's Cathedral. St. Basil or Basil? Mm, That's a good question. St. Basil? That sounds more saintly, doesn't it? Yeah. I guess St. Basil would be a little bit like uh, St. Basil. And St. Time and St. Rosemary. Yeah, it's not. Okay. So anyhow, I digress. We could go with their official name. Cathedral of the Intercession of the Most Holy Theotokos on the Moat. Okay, let's do that. (laughs) So I think this name is probably not going to ring any bells to you, but the picture likely will. Yeah, St. Basil's Cathedral should ring some bells. So this is the very colorful cathedral in Moscow. It's the one that looks like almost like a Disneyland castle with all the variously colored domes that look like onions. Yep. It's a very famous monument in Moscow. And it was actually a uh, requested episode from a friend of ours. So here we go. Yeah, you're welcome. So it is a Christian church slash museum in Moscow. It is in the Red Square, which is the central city square in Moscow in the Kremlin, The Kremlin being literally the fortress inside a city, or I would suppose like in most old European cities, it's kind of the old town. So that would be the part that's surrounded by a bit of a a wall. Yeah. It is the most iconic building in the central part of Russia. It's, yeah, iconic. (laughs) So this is one of those ones where I know what it looks like without even having to look it up. Yeah. yeah, it's got the different color domes. Yeah. The onion domes, too. Yeah. Yeah. It was built in 1555 by Ivan IV, also Ooh. known as Ivan the Terrible. Nice. Who is the first czar of Russia. And before you ask, because I definitely asked, how was the first czar of Russia called Ivan IV? There were rulers of Russia before. They just weren't called czars. That's right. So yeah. Moscow itself had a ruler, had a king and princedom, so to say. Mm -hmm. But he was the first to really unite Russia. He had a bunch of different military campaigns that expanded the territories of Russia and also kind of why he was called the terrible. He also was just generally a terrible person. I guess I'll go a little bit into that. But yes, he built St. Basil's Cathedral initially. Of course, It was built in 1555, which is basically the medieval times. So it's been rebuilt and added to and renovated many times. Okay. Like I said, it is 
commonly known as St. Basil's Cathedral or Cathedral of the Vasily the Blessed, which I think Vasily is just the Russian name for Basil. Basil. That would make sense, yeah. Officially known as Cathedral of the Intercession of the Most Holy Theotokos on the Moat. Yeah, which is how I'm going to refer to it. How many of those words did you really understand? I, how many of those words can I even remember? Cathedral of the Theotokos. On the <laughs> like, it's just something. Holy secession or... Yeah. I don't know. It's not my, my skill set. It has also been called the Pokrovsky Cathedral. Okay. It was originally known as the Trinity Church or the Trinity Cathedral. So it's had lots of names. It's had lots of names. And also, like, when I find looking at names of places... In Russia, I I don't know if it's a language thing, but they tend to be long and sort of morbid. Okay. Right? They tend to be like, oh, square of the red blood and church of the spilt blood and bridge of the guy who jumped off once. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah, it's a little bit of a morbid culture. Yeah. Yeah. A little. They kind of dwell a little bit. Sure. So long memories. Yes. So St. Basil's Cathedral is officially a combination of 10 churches. So 10 churches, 10 names. <laughs> they do actually individually have their own names. I did not yeah. list them. They are all named after different saints. And I figured that would be a boring list to recite here. Okay. But you can, it's on Google, I'm sure. It is up there. And if you care, then this is... Probably not your podcast, man. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, we're talking about, this is basically like what, the Sean Puff Daddy Combs of churches, where it just changes its name all the time. (laughs) Who can keep track? (laughs) I don't even know what he is right now. Is he Diddy right now? You're asking the wrong person. Puff Daddy, yeah, I don't know. And the wrong podcast. Yeah, Google that. Google that too. Whatever, Whatever he is now. Puff Daddy, P. Diddy, Diddy. So the central church these churches is the intercession, which I did have to check what it is. John, do you know what this is? No. So John and I both grew up sort of in a church of some sort, but definitely not the Catholic church. So everything I research here about Orthodox Catholicism is almost familiar, but not. Yeah, it's kind (laughs) of weird. Like we grew up very non-denominational. So Catholic has a whole other set of rules. I think I was 18 the first time I went to church that wasn't in a high school gymnasium. Right. Yeah. Sure. So so the intercession means the action of intervening on behalf of another. The thing I've gleaned from Catholicism is the idea is you have these kind of like intermediaries <laughs> to God. That's why you have saints and that's why Mary's a thing. And then that's why, right? Like yeah. it's just a more of a, There's more of an org chart involved. Yeah. And it's like a Pope and... Yeah. Yeah. The the saints answer to the Pope and... Saints answer to the Pope? No, No, that was wrong. the saints are dead, right? No, but so like you pray... Okay, wait. Yeah. So the Pope... uh, No, I'm not going to even try. Anyway, the intercession, so this church in the middle, I suppose, intercedes on behalf of the other churches... Okay. So wait, so you pray to the other churches and then they pass the prayer on to the middle church who and, which sends is it the up. Tallest. Yeah. 
which sends it up to God. So it's like a like a like a satellite. Okay. Is that how it works? Anyway, I, don't know. I, I appreciate the symbolism. The idea is that these 10 churches together are shaped like the flame of a bonfire rising into the sky. See, I like that. I like that. And so all the other churches have these domes that look like onions and peak at the top. So they look kind of like fire. And then the central one is the tallest and it's not an onion shaped. It's kind of like a, like a tapered cylinder shape. So it is like a candle that, that rises above all the others to to satellite to God. Yeah. Okay. Kind of like a fall harvest. You've got your onions. You've got your candle. Little <laughs> little cornucopia. No. I don't even know if we're being sacrilegious at this point. I have no idea. But that is the intent of the building. Yeah. And its design. <laughs> I I just want to be clear. I'm not trying to to rip on Catholicism. If if that was sacrilegious, I apologize. I just don't know the rules. No. No. Yeah. And I don't think we even know any Catholics, so. (laughs) (laughs) So St. Basil's Cathedral, very much like the Hagia Sophia, was confiscated and secularized at one point. And this was during the communist era because, as we know, communism was not favorable to religion, right? Religion is open to the masses. Yes. So it was secularized, which was good that it didn't, fall, that it was just kept. And I will go into a little bit of that. Christian service was reintroduced after the fall of the USSR. Ah, interesting. So it kind of went back. Yeah. Okay. But it is still serving as a museum. Mm -hmm. It just does also Christian service. Right. Right. That's a little bit of what St. Basil's Cathedral is (laughs) and what it is shaped like and Yeah, where it is. Yeah. Don't have any idea about the budget of it. But yes, it was built in medieval times by a zealot, essentially. Essentially. So it cost what it cost. Yeah. It it costs, what is it? Is it rubles? Is Russia on the euro now? Mm, No, I don't think so. Rubles. Yep, sure. So there is a ton of history on this guy. And I'm pretty excited about this. Are you ready? Yes. Let's get into it. So historically, the Kremlin and the Red Square was a busy market in the center of Moscow. And it was marked in the center by the Trinity Church, which was just a plain church. Yeah made of wood. And Tsar Ivan IV, also known as Ivan the Terrible, with every victory in his wars, he built a wooden memorial church next to the Trinity Church. And by the end of the rampage, he had enclosed the Trinity Church with seven churches. Nice. And then he ordered the construction of the wooden church of intercession. Yeah. And then One year later, so basically his wars were kind of over, he ordered a new stone cathedral to replace the original central Trinity Church. Okay. So this was kind of the capstone of, look how much stuff I conquered, look at how many people I killed, I built a church. I guess, I mean, that's how Catholics do, right? Like, it's a very much an atonement thing. 
sorry, I did that. Here's a church. I never thought about that, but I, I can't, I can't refute it. And I dug a little bit into the history of this. So Ivan the Fourth, he also had a very sad history. He needed a son to be his heir, and his wife got pregnant three times. Okay, gave birth to three sons, and they all died within those three years that he was at war. Oh wow! So none of them made it past a year old, I think. Yikes. And so a year after his war was done, it was the birth of his fourth son. Incredibly auspicious, right? Yeah. And so there's some theory that he also built the stone cathedral to mark the birth of his son. Right. Very important to him that he had this son. Yeah. Okay. As, as it is. Who, yeah. by the way, he beat to death when the son became an adult at some point because oh. of a disagreement. He just beat him to death with his walking stick. Hence the terrible. Yeah. All right. So this guy had some, you know, personal things that he needed to work through. He had some anger issues. Yeah. And as he got older, he was worse and worse. Oh. And there's also this whole fallout of how this fourth son, the first like the first viable oh, son was supposed to be his heir and he was supposed to be he was groomed for this position, right? And basically when he was beaten to death, the second son inherited the throne, who was completely inadequate and set off a number and like decades, if not centuries of unrest and the fall of that lineage, yeah. I, su- I suppose. And that's wow. when the Romanovs actually came to be. Jeez. Okay. So. <laughs> Way to go, Ivan. <laughs> yeah. Oh my goodness. That is, it's so bleak. So this church is thought that it was partially built to commemorate the birth of his son. Okay. There's also some legends around the architect. So the exact identity of the architect is a bit vague. There are records that list Barma and Postnik Yakovlev. And apparently, traditionally, they're supposed to be two architects. But research suggests that this might be one guy, Postnik Yakovlev. Okay. And there's legend that Ivan actually blinded this architect after the completion of the cathedral so that he can't recreate the building elsewhere. Yeah. There's a lot of rumors of of like famous architects being blinded or having their hands cut off and stuff like that. That's right. And that's the legend as it goes, but it was probably a myth because there's also some record to show that the architect later also built some other cathedrals. Ah, uh, maybe so. that's where you get the two... The two Yakovlevs. Oh, maybe, yeah, maybe. He had to go into like witness protect, architect protection. Architect protection. <laughs> I I can't imagine that you can build very much or that you would find a lot of architects willing to work for you if you've got a reputation of killing them right after. Yeah. Or blinding them. Yeah. So the cathedral was all said and done and consecrated on the 12th of July, 1561. Okay. This was the day of the consecration, which is, I guess, the day when they, like, holy water it. Yeah. Sure. The day that it became a proper cathedral, which apparently, so it goes, that a miracle occurred on the day of the consecration. Ooh, okay. That during a ceremony attended by 
Tsar Ivan, it is said, and the Tsar came to the dedication of the said church, and they began to offer a prayer service with sanctified water. Okay. And the Tsar touched the base with his own hands, and the builders saw that another sanctuary appears and told the Tsar. And the Tsar and the Metropolitan and all the clergy were surprised by the finding of another sanctuary. What? What? So they're saying another building appeared? <laughs> or the sanctuary? supposed missing ninth church appeared by miracle when Tsar Ivan touched the base? I don't even know. Like, this is some weird Harry Potter nonsense. Yeah. <laughs> right? Just like disappearing rooms. Yeah, but the thing is, is that like the bigger the, like the bigger the dictator, the bigger the myths. I've noticed, I've done a lot of research into this. I've noticed a thread between dictators and just completely crazy stories. <laughs> done a lot of research into this I, I like this feels a little bit like maybe somebody messed up you know what i mean so so because this was built not in one go yeah and there were basically nine distinct churches built in various times not congruently so there are weird little passageways between them and i'll go in a little bit into that yeah it's kind of like you may have lost a room yeah, makes sense. Or maybe it was like a surprise, right? Surprise, Tsar Ivan. We here's this other room that didn't even exist before. Didn't even though. Yeah. Or like they maybe built it but then forgot to connect it with to the rest of the church because they were building it so quickly. Like yeah. I don't know what happened here, but feels like someone messed up. Okay. I I can I can go for that. <laughs> Jeez, they're lucky that they got a consecration instead of a circumcision with the way things are going here. <laughs> You're so pleased with that show. I am, yeah. I can see your face. Okay. Yeah. I thought it was pretty funny. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. All right. So that happened during consecration. About 14 years later, so 1583, it was burnt down. Right. And then they rebuilt it 10 right. years later. And it sunk into the swamp. <laughs> <laughs> yes, exactly. And when they rebuilt it, they dedicated it to Basil Fool for Christ. Okay. Which is where we get the name St. Basil. Yeah. So apparently a fool for Christ means someone who basically gives up everything that they have. And rather than dedicating themselves to the church as a monk or a priest, they basically just become like what Jesus supposedly was right. They give up all their worldly possessions and just join a very monastic kind of okay. living. Yeah. He also apparently criticized Ivan fairly publicly Ooh. and was persecuted for that. Yeah. And probably died. Yeah. And and then they dedicated it to him. Yeah. So that that seems to be the way is like. Oh, that guy was actually pretty all right. And then they figure out that, hey, we should dedicate something to them and yeah. we should give them a saint title. There you go. And that seems to be the way it goes. Yeah, we kill them horribly. 
and <laughs> the story of their death resonates. Yeah. Ornamental murals also started being added to the cathedral in the late 16th century on the interior. In 1737, there was another massive fire sunk into the swamp. Yeah. It was restored again, 1812. John, your level of understanding of history in Europe at this point is pretty spotty. But 1812, can you recall what major conquest happened? So I can tell you that there was an overture written for it in the late 18... So it was like written in what, 1870-something? And it was the 1812 overture about the cannons. And so somebody got something. The... The... Short guy? What? (laughs) Napoleon. Napoleon. Oh, goodness. Oh, I gave you so many hints. The short guy. That's not a hint. There's so many... What? <laughs> we went to, remember when we went to that art museum in Czech Republic? We were in Prague and they had like the thing of all like the royalty and they were all like four foot eight. <laughs> I, I'm sure they weren't. But anyway, Napoleon invaded in 1812, looted the church. He actually ordered it to be blown up. Ooh. And apparently the dynamite didn't take. Okay. Uh, a rain came yeah, and supposedly fizzled out the dynamite. Napoleon, he needed that C4. So the church narrowly survived Napoleon. Yeah. You might say divine intervention. You might say you divine might intervention. You might say divine intercession. Ooh. Ooh. Yeah. I don't know if you would say that because I'm still not entirely sure of what that means, but let's just, let's just, let's say, just say it. Yeah. No, let's let's just go with Napoleon needed a better explosives guy. <laughs> you know? You know Napoleon's training, like he was an explosives guy. Was he? Yeah. Oof, what's his excuse? <laughs> <laughs> so in the late 19th century, there were calls for restoration, but Russia had no money. <laughs> okay. Eventually, some money was found, and the Romanovs at the time was kind of like, ah, yeah, I guess we should do this. It's like a Renault that you just didn't want to do. Yeah. They were like, ah, fine. (laughs) So in the early 1900s, restoration finally started. And then what happened? So then we're getting into Vladimir Lenin, correct? Yes, that's right. So World War I. Right. We're getting into the era of the USSR. Now, the thing is, Lenin actually quite liked the cathedral. Hmm. He thought it was great, and it became a public museum. He was just like, this looks nice. No reason to tear it down. Yeah. Don't fix what ain't broke, or don't fix what isn't too terribly broke. Yeah. So they kept it. But... As we all know, Stalin basically hated most things that Lenin liked. Oh, yeah. So Stalin kept trying to get rid of it. (laughs) And I'll give you one guess as to why he wanted to get rid of the cathedral. Think Ceausescu. Oh, because it was too big. So it, it like outshone his own. Sort of. He wanted to parade tanks through the Red Square, and he didn't have enough space to do so with the cathedral in the way. Nice. He wanted to just parade his own might and his own vehicles and basically himself 
Yeah. And all his military power through the Red Square. And yeah. so he wanted to demolish this basically at the time 400 year old cathedral. Yeah. Which is like, that's bananas. That is. That is. But Stalin was like the quintessential. It's just real dumb. It's like if a certain president decides to take down the Statue of Liberty so that he could hold a wet t-shirt contest. You know what I mean? Like, (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, no, I know, I know. And also, so when we mentioned Ceausescu, so we were in Romania a few years ago and we learned, so, so there is this like gigantic, it's basically like a causeway, isn't it? Like it's just it's a, a huge boulevard. A yes. Boulevard. Yeah. And, and it's huge and it's just like completely. So you have all of these like old narrow windy roads and then and all it runs down the center of old town Bucharest. Bucharest. Yeah. Because a despot decided that he wanted to run his tanks down the center yeah. of Bucharest. And he was going to like host foreign dignitaries and he wanted them to be like super impressed. So it's basically a straight road from the airport to the palace. It's weird. It's massive and it causes major traffic issues now because you've got tiny medieval roads feeding into and out of this giant boulevard. Yeah. So, so that's what we meant when it's just a crazy, like, dictator thing. It's a terrible urban planning decision. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, Stalin kept wanting to get rid of the cathedral. And one person, the one hero who was there to stop him, <laughs> Peter Baranovsky. Okay. He was responsible for restoring countless churches, architectural landmarks, kind of getting them classified as landmarks for preservation. Mm -hmm. And there's a lot of different stories of the things that he did and the ways he went about trying to stop Stalin from killing this cathedral, basically. He was summoned to perform last-minute survey of the church. He was supposed to be prepping it for demolition works. And he just refused. Yeah. He just would not do it. And as a result of him refusing to do it, they never did it. And I don't understand, like, at this time in the USSR, was he the only architect? (laughs) But, like, so he could have been, you know, like, the trusted architect or something. this was Stalin. So some guy refused to do a survey and then he wouldn't take down a cathedral? Like, it just doesn't quite mesh. But he could have convinced Stalin or something. Like, he could have been... So there's a lot of stories of what he supposedly did. He did refuse to perform the last survey and refused to perform any prep work to demolish the cathedral. And as a result, he was sent to the gulag for five years. Wow. He did service time there. Yeah. But there were also other stories. Like, apparently he locked himself and his daughter inside the cathedral to stop its demolition. Okay. Wow. Apparently he threatened suicide. Uh-huh. Apparently he sent a telegram to Stalin saying, please prevent the demolition of St. Basil's because it will cause political damage to the Soviet state. Uh-huh. Another story was that he sent a telegram saying he'd rather kill himself than demolish the historic cathedral. Wow. And they interviewed his daughter, who was quite young at the time. 
And she said, I mean, all of these stories sound pretty crazy. He's most likely just sent a fairly reasonable telegram. <sighs> yeah. So, but it's probably like Stalin hyping it up, right? And he's just like, <laughs> So Stalin, why aren't you destroying this church? He's like, ah, the architect didn't didn't want me to do it. He's like, so what? You're Stalin. He's like, no, he said he was going to kill himself. It's just like, <laughs> oh, blame it on the architect. That's what I did. Yeah. Anyway, Peter Bernowski, he did do his time, but he was <laughs> credited with saving the cathedral. Good. And during his time in the Gulag, the planners actually did come around to saying that the church should be preserved. Yeah. So it did survive the USSR. There was a lot of restoration work, especially between World War II and basically... Fall. The 2000s. Right. Okay. So post. Yeah. And a lot of restoration work went into it. Nice. And I'll go a little bit into that, but let's talk about the construction and the architectural styles. Yes. Okay. Architecturally, the cathedral is in the Byzantine style. Okay. A little bit of Muslim influence and also Italian Renaissance. Ooh. It has some Asian influence as well. Okay. So Russia being kind of this weird melting pot of different continents and culture, very much a crossroad. Yeah. It has a lot of different influences. Sure. It actually features open brickwork before it was hip. Ooh, Isn't that cool? That is. Wait, it's this trendy <laughs> hipster. That's right. Yeah. Exposed brick. <gasps> Can you imagine like someone like scraping off frescoes and being like, oh, it's brick <laughs> under here. It's like the HGTV moment. Yeah. <laughs> Such good bones. <laughs> so the layout of the cathedral, like I said, there are a combined of 10 churches. Okay. But the nine of the churches are actually laid out in a grid. A grid. Wow. So imagine a three by three grid. Yeah. And there's four. So kind of the top left, right, and then the bottom Mm -hmm. is one shape. And then the four corners is another shape. Okay. And then the center is that intersection core. Right. So those make up the nine churches, the nine main churches of the cathedral. Yeah. You know, it was intended to be symmetrical. So kind of like a compass. Yeah. The tenth church was just kind of like, it it doesn't really quite fit. It's like on this random corner off to the side. (laughs) (laughs) And that's the church for St. Basil, Fool for Christ. Okay. But it's like, that's the tenth. Yeah. Um, Well, because he gave up everything. They can't put him right in the middle. Yeah, he doesn't quite fit. I guess he's the misfit. Yeah. So it is a systematic grouping of these churches, but the cathedral as a whole is slightly asymmetrical and the changes, the appearance, depending on your vantage point. Oh, I like that. That was intentional, I'm assuming? Yes. The churches are also organized by height and some are raised on platforms to signify its closeness to heaven. So since each church is named after a saint, I suspect that whichever saint was closer to God had a higher, right, taller church with the center intercession being the highest point. Cool. That's pretty neat. I like that. 
Yeah, like an org chart in a building form. Yeah, you're you're really going with this org chart metaphor. Well, like it's just such a organized institution, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, it is. Right. The interiors includes elaborate frescoes and stonework and brickwork. And in places where they don't have brick, they painted it to look like it's brick. So it's this thing where they would paint the walls red like brick and then paint in white seams in the middle. Weird. To make false or a faux brick interior, which is also called pod cure pick or like brick is what it is. Okay. I, I like it. I like it. I like that they're focused on fashion. <laughs> yeah. You know, they've got the onions, you've got the candle, you've got the brick. It's rustic. It, it sure is. It sure yeah. is. There's also a lot of geometric decorative patterns inside. There's a lot of uh, repetitive kind of floral patterns okay. in the interior. Very beautiful, very ornate. It looks big from the outside. It's quite an imposing monument, Mm -hmm. but because it is nine churches connected together, kind of haphazardly, it feels quite small on the inside. Okay. And there are nooks and crannies. There are different corridors that lead you from one church to another. It's kind of like a weird extension building. So it doesn't actually feel like some of the kind of Western European cathedrals where you go in and it's just this massive chapel as you walk in. Yeah. And it's all open with pillars, right? No, this is like you find yourself in one room and it's a church and then you kind of take a corridor and it's all of a sudden another church and then you all of a sudden another church. Like it's like a reverse TARDIS. Yeah, right. It's it's bigger on the outside. (laughs) So on the exterior, it's quite a complex combination of the buildings, especially with the way that they've painted it in all the different colors and all the geometric patterns. But it is actually devoid of any sculptural features. So no gargoyles or any kind of art deco or Gothic elements that you would find in Western European cathedrals. It doesn't have any adornments like that. Right. What it has are some metal pieces have been bent and riveted together onto the domes to create interesting patterns, but it is very much geometric based. And so in that sense, that's really taking from the more kind of Asian and Muslim influence that it is from the European right. Gothic style. Cool. Originally, it was actually white. The entire building was white with gold domes and that's to match the rest of the Kremlin buildings. And I'll post a picture of parts of the Kremlin that still look like that now. So you can kind of picture these whitewashed buildings with gold domes on top. Yeah. But in 1670s, they started painting it in bright colors. And these colors are taken from a biblical reference in Revelations, the book of Revelations, of the kingdom of heaven. Ooh. So I did not know the heaven was going to look so campy. It's not It's not campy. I'm into it's, it. I dig it. It's a little it. bit gaudy, I guess. I, I like it. Yeah. I, you know, the paint also actually protects the walls from moisture. So it does double the work as waterproofing. Right. Paint has two jobs. <laughs> two jobs. <laughs> so each of the onions sit on top of a cylinder to form that tower. Yeah. And then it, Topped on the on the top of the onion is a golden 
cupola. Okay. And we looked this up. Yeah, we looked up how to pronounce that. Yeah, I did. A cupola. 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 It's basically that pointy bit at the top. Yeah. And then it has a cross. So that gold part. Cool. Inside each of the onion is a support made of either wood or metal, kind of like a bird cage, if you can imagine the top of a bird cage. Yeah. And the basement is made of bricks. So the foundation is actually made of bricks. And that's where the czar and some of the rich families used to keep their valuables from the fires. Hmm. Well, there you go. Yeah. So Brick cellar. That's how it was built and kind of some of the inspiration and influences. And today it is a UNESCO World Heritage Site. Cool. It has been since 1990, along with the rest of the Kremlin area. It's used today as a museum. Yep. And occasionally for worship by the Russian Orthodox Church. Cool. Weirdly enough, there is a scale replica of it in Inner Mongolia at the border between Russia and China. Yeah. Which just goes to show, like, the Chinese, we will counterfeit anything. <laughs> okay, you said it. I, I'm, <laughs> I said it. <laughs> um, why is there a scale replica of St. Basil's Cathedral in Mongolia? Who knows? It is a children's museum. Okay. It is a children's science museum, and it sells fake fossils. That all makes perfect sense to me. I legit tried to dive into what this is and why this is, and that's all I found. Yeah. So if you have been to this weird scale replica, please write to us. I have so many questions. <laughs> so the actual St. Basil's Cathedral, lots of restoration work going into it. A lot of restorations on the foundation went into it in the early 2000s. Yep. Like I said, it's made of bricks. It, it is. It is made of bricks. Yep. And the Kremlin is made of bricks. Yeah. And it is slowly sinking into the swamp. <laughs> so the whole thing is crumbling a little bit and it definitely needs restoration. A lot of scaffolding around the building itself to restore it. And in the early 2000s, they started holding concerts in the Red Square. Oh, dear. Which the vibration was causing significant damage to the foundations. Yeah. It was very unpopular and didn't matter because celebrities and rock stars wanted to perform in the Red Square. It was very trendy. If you kind of remember that time, the USSR had yeah. fallen and it was a very symbolic location. Paul McCartney actually held a concert on the Red Square. Yeah. And he demanded, demanded that the scaffolding be taken down so that he could have this beautiful backdrop. Wow. Yeah, I think that you can actually watch that concert and it's like Paul McCartney back in the USSR, which is like, Kind he's not, <laughs> and I, I forget exactly how it goes. But yeah, and then like Paul McCartney, he he wrote the song back in the USSR, which is like really kind of chirping on the USSR, right? And so for him to go and like have all these demands, I don't know. It's a bit ironic, yeah. It is, it is a little bit insensitive. Not that I have a great deal of sympathy, but just like Paul McCartney, not not so good. <laughs> not your best moment. Yeah, well, I mean, we're not going to start branding him Paul the Terrible, but, yeah, you know. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not saying it. <laughs> right, so restoration works are ongoing, but at least today it's protected and it is open to the public as both a place of worship and a museum. Mm -hmm. 
a very, I would say, fortuitous place to have survived such a turbulent history, obviously. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, yeah, especially to be such a major religious symbol and to have survived the entire USSR, like... Yes, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Really beautiful and a real monument in basically kind of the Eastern Europe, Central Asia Mm -hmm. region. And so, yeah, thank you so much to Chelsea for suggesting this topic. I had a lot of fun diving into the history on this. If you want to look further into this, I do suggest this is one of the ones with a great history. Reading about Ivan the Terrible, you're just kind of like, wow. More I hear about this guy, I I just... I just don't know. Guys, Russia has had it tough. Yeah. Right? I mean, you guys, they still kind of (laughs) do. We'll see what happens in the future of St. Basil's Cathedral, but it is beautiful. Mm -hmm. And it's always interesting to think about the symbolism behind religious monuments. I really enjoyed looking at the Hagia Sophia Mm-hmm. And now the cathedral, I don't think we've done so many religious monuments in the past to really look into what inspired the architectural style, what inspired all the little details yeah. that you wouldn't necessarily know about if you were just visiting. So now I, I do see the the symbolism of a bonfire or flames mm-hmm. in the domes and the onions. And it's it's very cool. And those colors symbolizing heaven like for a very almost like morose history and kind of a yeah russian history and literature being you know not exactly the most uplifting topic such a uplifting colorful building and monument is like Mm -hmm. quite lovely yeah i like it quite hopeful (laughs) so Yes, that is our episode. And that is also season two. Season two, Measured in Metric, in the hopper. Thank you so much for sticking with us. And I hope you enjoyed the topics that we've covered this season. And if you would like to suggest anything for the future, please do so. Whatever you enjoyed from this season, let us know. More interviews, less interviews. More banter, less banter. (laughs) (laughs) More John, less John. More John, less John. Uh, Yeah. Less numbers, more numbers. Fewer, fewer, fewer numbers. (laughs) We'd love to hear from you. And we're going to be taking a little bit of break, trying to get caught up on season three. And we will be back. We'll be back a while. A while. You'll hear you'll hear about it before we do. (laughs) Do reach out to us on whatever podcast platform you're listening to us on. Or on our social media at Measured and Metric on Instagram and on Facebook. Or measuredandmetric.com. That's right. Yeah. Special thanks to Alex at Astronomic Audio for editing and producing and just running this podcast yep um and as always if you are listening to us and you're saying good lord i could do that better then uh 
<laughs> by all means, reach out to Astronomic Audio. They were absolutely fantastic getting us up and running. They've provided guidance even, even through season two when we sort of have a little bit of a better handle on things. They're still giving us just like tons of really helpful information and, and it's, it's great. 100% recommend their services. 100%. And yeah, I guess that's season two. I cannot believe we've done two seasons of this now. I know. I can't believe that we survived season two. <sighs> it's been a ride. Yeah. It's been a ride. Vivian has been busy with her, with her real job, so. <laughs> but this is always such a pleasure to record and such a great pleasure to hear from people who listen to us and getting the feedback. I am so glad that we have wrapped up season two and so excited for season three. Mm -hmm. And until then, do remember, you should always measure in metric.